difficulties are blessings. Without difficulties, there's no sense of real progress. Without like terrible, hard to bear, seemingly impossible to bear difficulties, there's really no way to measure your rate of progress. If everything is easy, it's very difficult to tell how much you need to progress or how well you're doing, how far you've come, how far you need to go. All of that stuff is only visible when you have a placeholder, a frame of reference, which is either above or below you. And an easy middle ground does not grant that to you. Easy middle ground is the worst frame of reference that you can have. Sure, it tells you where you are now, but really in the grand scheme of things, how useful is where you are now, other than like superficial things such as motivation. Like, oh, look at how far I've come. You should be grateful, you should be appreciative, you should be proud. But don't allow that to stifle the more pressing and practical emotions, which are those of desire for improvement, understanding, and even controlled frustration. You know, frustration that allows you to improve, not frustration that cripples you to be a defeatist and just accept where you are. Like frustration that allows you to go, fuck, things need to change. And then you go and change them. That practical frustration. Those emotions that are ugly, that are hideous, people see as bad things, those are your best friends. Everything is the opposite for the most part. Advice that people give you, that shit sucks. 99% of the time, you're taking advice from somebody that did not actualize their desires to try and actualize your desires. Nobody can give you an accurate advice if they haven't achieved it. They can look in retrospect and think what they could have done better and theorize, but it's not a proven, it's not a field-tested theory. That's a fucking a hypothesis. That's a suggestion. Be empirical. Form your own theory. Prove it. Prove your theory. Form your own convenient theory and prove it. But anyways, aside from advice and mentorship, which I'll tackle in another episode, you should be happy and love these difficulties, these obstacles. Those things that make you feel like they're not shit. Those are the best things for your improvement. And this isn't the hustler, all hard things are good mentality. Because that's incredibly superficial and it has no substance. And it just assumes that it's an absolute that bad things are good and hard things are good, regardless of if they're productive or not. I'm talking truly productive hardships, truly productive difficulties, obstacles, things that allow you to go, I have no clue if I'm going to be able to do this, but I'm still going to try. Why am I still going to try? Even if I know I'm going to fail. Knowing that you might fail is not enough of a reason to stop you from trying. If anything, it's a motivator. So it lets you know that you should try you should go and do that thing. If you think you're going to fail, you should go and do that thing. Back to it. Another thing that ha happens, difficulties and things that are societally and collectively viewed as bad, is that a lot of times, like I'm going to pose as the argument and prove in my book Antithesis, they're good. Things that a lot of people tend to view as bad are good. You're going to listen to the guy that wanted to be a Harvard professor that teaches at a fucking middle school didn't get to where he wanted to be on how you can accomplish things? No. Find your own theory that's convenient, if true, then prove it. 
get something that's against the grain and make it good, like tragedies. People see these terrible things, these huge wrongings that you face in life, betrayals, just terrible things. Like, I don't even know how to translate this in English, but unakochina, like a disgusting, piggish action. Something that's so revolting that it's comparable to that of a filthy boar, right? Somebody that does some absolute atrocity to you. The atrocity, the horrendous, terrible thing. That thing is not a bad thing. That thing's a good thing. The tragedy isn't being cheated on. The tragedy is never being cheated on and getting the resultant understanding and enlightenment. If you get cheated on, it's the best experience for understanding shit people. Your radar for shitty people does not improve a fraction of as good as it improves. Not even a 1% as much as when you get a true, utterly disgusting and revolting repulsive betrayal committed and you are the victim of it. Now, victimhood is a bad thing. I'm against it. But I use victim to let you know that you're the one being wronged. You're never a victim. Know that. But when you get cheated on, those who have been cheated on, or when you get betrayed, when you get lied to, when you get all of that done to you, and you have the capacity to understand it in a way where it does not paralyze you with fear or cause you to develop a negative, destructive, psychological complex. When you have grasped it enough to gain all of the wisdom and enlightenment from it without letting it crumble, debilitate, and cripple you, you realize that that experience is the best teacher. Experience is the best teacher. So somebody can tell you, don't trust women that do this. Don't trust men that do this. But that's going to give you a very robotic, baroque, like rigid, unflexible, and clumsy idea of what you should truly look out for. A textbook on cooking can tell you this is the temperature, this is the time you have to cook something, this is the texture, what it sounds like approximately. They try to describe it in words, but there is nothing articulable. There's nothing you can articulate that is good enough as the just pure, direct, first-hand experience. The enlightenment of that is untouchable. So, you're the cook, right? You read the textbook, tells you, you have no clue how to get that sweet, perfect spot. You have no clue where that climax point is, where it's the absolute peak and it won't get better and it won't get worse. And you have to just rip it off the flame at that moment because it's perfect, it's juicy, it's tender, it's flavorful. Ugh, flavorful. Person in the textbook, reading the textbook, they get a, you know, somewhat good idea. The person has been cooking for 15 years, making that dish daily, weekly, however frequent. They are intimately familiar with the recipe, time, heat, all of the factors that go into it. They've been tweaking it and experiencing it and becoming very thoroughly familiar, intimately familiar with that perfect thing you're soaring for, you're looking for, you're trying to achieve. 
That is why that person is going to be infinitely better than cooking than the person that reads a million textbooks. There's only so much applicability of theoretical knowledge. There's only so much you can do with information if you don't have a feel for it. Read a million books on the Vaganova technique. Watch a million ballets. Never stretch. Never perform a single plie in your life. You're going to suck at ballet. Somebody that balances their experience is going to be the best. And the person that just fully goes with experience. As long as they have a decent idea of what they're getting. A really good idea. No theoretical knowledge whatsoever. But a good image. That person is going to do millions of times better than you. A, a million fold. Their results are going to be ridiculously ahead of yours. It's going to be unmotivating to know that. Unless you embrace that path. If you see that that car goes faster and you have the fucking choice to get into that car. Why would you get into the shitbox? Allow yourself to get flamed, to get smoked. You shouldn't. So back to the fucking cheating and all of that. Back to that experience, which gives you a perfect idea of what you're striving for. That allows you to see exactly, not an approximation, but exactly what it is that you're looking for. What does that do for you? I'll tell you what that does for you. It gives you the same thing that the cook gets from cooking the same exact thing for years and years and years on end. Constantly. Expertise, intimate familiarity, mastery. Effortless mastery. You get absolutely wrong terribly. Somebody betrays you thoroughly. Somebody you love. You get to see exactly in retrospect what it is that you missed. Now, I know that earlier I said that people giving advice based on retrospect is bad. That was an absolute. I meant it in the context of people giving you retrospect on what could have worked when they failed. In this context, you have succeeded in being betrayed. In being betrayed. You have succeeded in being the target, the object of great betrayal and great wronging. So you know what the recipe is because you know what you did to get to that point. The difference between the middle school professor or teacher is that that person is theorizing on what the things they didn't do to get the thing that they didn't get. You know the things you did do to get the thing that you did get. So you can give yourself advice based on retrospect as long as they're congruent. The products and the, the things that add up to that product. The input and the outcome. So, do you think somebody that's been cheated on has a lesser understanding of somebody that's been told, hey man, look out for this, look out for these people, they're snakes. They give you these absolute, vague, too unspecific or non-specific to be of any value. You can go in a general direction, but you're not getting the XYZ coordinate and you're not going straight to it. You're getting very vague, useless, potentially applicable advice. Whereas when you get thoroughly wronged, you know those small things because they infuriate you. And you have that strong emotion. And you go back and you're like, I was a fucking idiot. Because you notice every little tiny thing in those memories. Those tiny things that are not told to you by the people that give you vague advice. 
those specific tiny little details that you notice. You're like, oh, they did this. The tone in their voice. Their avoidance of a certain subject. The things that they were doing. Going behind my back to do certain things. Things I let fly out of blindness. Things I let slide out of unawareness. All of those things become just vibrant, brilliant, blaring to you. It's impossible to ignore all of those things when you experience it firsthand and they are shown to you by your own mind that firsthand experienced it. They're immediately understood by you. So instead of looking at those wrongings and those failures, same thing goes with failures. You don't have to be the object of some terrible wronging at some other, at some other person's hands. It can be a failure that you did, a mistake you did. Those aren't atrocities. Those aren't disgusting things. They're beautiful. The true tragedy is never experiencing that and proceeding your entire life in ignorance. So, if you accept this as truth, which I have to my success and to my benefit, how can you make this applicable? How can you make this philosophy something that you can go ahead and do something right now, change something in your life, in your approach, in your belief system that's going to lead to tangible results as a consequence or as a result of this philosophy? Well, strong emotions come from strong desires, strong attachments. When you really care about someone and they die, you feel that. When you really want to get something and you don't get it, you feel that. When you really care about an achievement and you don't achieve it, you feel that. Strong feeling behind that failure or whatever the opposite of whatever you wanted to attain is. Failure, mistake, shortcoming, however you want to word it. When you have these strong, passionate goals and you set them for yourself, you set yourself up for, one, the possibility of achieving it, and two, what is arguably more enlightening and more ultimately helpful, the possibility of not achieving it. The possibility of being so thoroughly disappointed, frustrated, pissed off, angry, that you see the light brighter than you could ever see the light when you succeed. At the finish line, in first place, there is nowhere near the level of perspective and enlightenment than second place. That gives you a thorough understanding that you can never get from first place on the first try. So set a goal for yourself that you're not sure you can attain. That's ridiculous. That you're not just like, oh, maybe I can achieve. No, no, no. Set something you are certain you can't in the current thing. And you can do one of two things. If you want to go the mental fortitude route and the perseverance route and develop your discipline and your ability to allow your mind to govern everything, achieve that thing regardless of how difficult. I want to run a marathon. Don't prepare right now. Just go run that marathon and force yourself to run for four hours or six hours, however long it takes you. Walk, run, crawl, and you will understand that you're capable of achieving the things that seem too far out of reach just with mental, sheer, brute perseverance. The second thing that you can do is allow yourself to go set that incredibly difficult goal ridiculous, unrealistic, reaching for the stars goal and don't achieve it. And dwell in that failure, as taboo as it is to dwell in failure. As much as everybody's going to tell you don't dwell on it because it's unhealthy, it's mentally, like it leads to mental illness, 
it leads to mental unhealth, right? All of those things are going to be products of choosing to dwell on a shortcoming, a failure, a mistake, and overall, a wrongdoing done to yourself. Those are the things that people want you to stray from, but dwell in them. Dwell in them to capture all of that feeling of shit. I didn't do it. I didn't get it done. I wanted more than everything to get that thing done, and I didn't. Oh my God. Just be fucking seething with anger. Just absolute pain, agony, anger, despair, desire, longing, yearning. All of that stuff should be brewing within you. Allow all of that stuff to course through you and surge through you to develop that understanding that you need to push through. So concisely, once again, how do I make this philosophy applicable? What is this philosophy and how can I make it applicable? In a couple concise sentences and a short paragraph, I'll tell you. One, understand that the real tragedy is not being able to experience the enlightenment of, you could say rock bottom, immense failure, like monumental disgrace, frustration, and pain, agony, crippling almost. Not crippling, but just incredibly, it makes you feel this intense defeat. And debilitating implies that it's going to keep you from moving forward. It's not going to cripple you. It's not going to immobilize you. It's just going to make you feel like nothing. Understand that those experiences are the most enlightening. And enlightenment is what you need. Second thing, make this philosophy applicable by setting incredibly unreachable in the current state, unattainable, unachievable, unrealistic, not attached to reality, completely delusional aspiration, an incredibly Sisyphean task right now. Undertake it right now in your current form. And either prove yourself wrong to the benefit of your own mental fortitude and your self-confidence, prove yourself right that you're not able to do it, and become ultimately frustrated and angry with the fact that you can't, and refuse to accept, and refuse to continue the life where you cannot achieve that. Achieve it. Understand that currently you can't achieve it, but you will achieve it, because the pain is too immense to continue to suffer on your own volition. And your own volition is the strongest organism, the strongest life force, the strongest force, period, that exists. Thank you.